Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Respond to the people who are the most irresponsible with the softest hand and the ones who are responsible with the hardest hand because those are the people you have to somehow get all this stuff done. And if you're not going to hold these people accountable, well, then these people, they got to work twice as hard. So you lean on their responsibility. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. When you try to negotiate with reality, when you try to force your illusions onto your experience, reality will always win. Because, you see, life doesn't care about your happiness, have you noticed? But it does care about your perception of reality, your ability to abide with it. So in this episode, we discuss the role of accountability for ourselves and others in shattering our illusions. If you trust the process, trust the outcome. You can trust that life will take care of you. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd really love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Did I tell you guys yet that I've been fired 10 times in my life? You mentioned that you've been fired a number of times. I counted it up 10 times. Just a few weeks ago, I was thinking because I'm, you know, trying to find some kind of vulnerable angle for writing this book because, you know, I know in my head, like, well, you're supposed to talk about your weaknesses and, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, what, what would be, because I wrote that, the, the, the blog I, I wrote about the tire in the road got really good response. And I asked a couple of people, what'd you like about it so much? And they said, oh, well, you were being really vulnerable and talking about your own stuff. I was like, oh yeah, right. You're supposed to do that as author and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll listen to this. This is what reality is saying. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what is that? And I'm like, I thought, well, I've been fired a few times. And then I thought, well, how many times have I been fired? And then I actually sat, sat down and spent 15, 20 minutes writing it down 10 times. And that doesn't count like other things that are pretty, were pretty darn close to it. That's got to be some kind of record. It's a lot for someone, you know, considering during all that I was self-employed. That was like over, you know, 20 years or something. And for six of those years, no, for like nine of those years, I was self-employed. It was like getting fired every two years for a while. Whoa. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't count like the horrific forms of accountability I endured from some of the teachers I had, uh, you know, the martial arts that I was in for 12 years. I mean... It's all becoming clear now to Joseph why he's so obsessed with responsibility and accountability. And it all started, I wrote this out a few days ago, when my sophomore year, junior year in college, junior year in college, my best friend, who was kind of a mentor to me, although I wouldn't have admitted it at the time, wrote like a three-page letter called Shaps is an Asshole. And I was Shaps. That was my nickname then. 
And I'll never forget that moment. And he, he, you know, we were academics. He made a rigorously compelling case that I was an asshole. And, and I mean, I still get chills when I think about it. I, I may still have it. I got to see if I can find that letter because it was a seminal shift. It was like the, the main takeaway was that I was not tracking my impact on people at all. I was superficial, insensitive, obnoxious, narcissistic. I mean, really, I was not a good person. Definitely not a nice person. My friends would actually, like, when I would meet new people, like, they would take the new people aside and they would say, look, we know Shafts makes really bad first impressions. Just give them a little bit more time. You'll see. But I found this out in that letter. That, like, that, that's how nutty I was. So yeah, that was the beginning where I became obsessed with like, I saw my gap, the gap between uh, who I thought I was and who I actually was because I believed uh, my my best friend. And he did it in a firm but loving way. I mean, he wasn't like leaving or anything. He was just like saying, hey, I can help. and But he was frustrated as well. They, they, he gave me... Uh, that was a carefrontation. And that was the moment I became a seeker. And I saw, I saw that, that the military form of jujitsu I was doing was making me into a bigger asshole. And I started doing softer martial arts. That was why I moved to the West Coast to do martial arts with the people I was reading about. That I started meditation around that time. It, that Everything started from that moment. When I was 19 or 20. That embodiment gap was big for me. I have a why of why I'm doing this. Yes. And then I had to fire Ed. And when I look back of why did I have to fire a guy and I look back at the cost, it was a million dollars. Wow, yeah. That cost me, that acquisition cost me a million dollars, almost cost me the entire company because he ruined the entire culture. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do anything about it until it got to a point. And I had to look back and it's like, I'm doing this, like I could freelance and make more money. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this to provide jobs so I can have an impact on people's lives, a positive one. I had the, those decisions and those decisions I made bringing him on board made a lot of people's lives incredibly difficult. Actually led to, was a catalyst for one of them having a substance abuse problem. You know, they had their own issues, but this was a huge part of that. Catalyst, yeah. Catalyst. And I had to look and go, I'm sick of this shit. I'm not even living up to what I say. I'm being comfortable. And at the point I had to look and like, oh, as long as I had enough money, then everything was fine. Mm. And that was a that was not what I stood for. I, and the all the discussion on the embodiment gap that we've done here has been tremendous. Mm. But that was a big thing for me too, of realizing no one wrote me a letter, but if people did, it would be. You're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And now... And a poser. You're actually posing. You're saying one thing and doing another. And we all do this. And who knows? Maybe tomorrow my best friend will write me another letter that says Joseph is an asshole. I have no idea, right? It's just like, and what would be my orientation? Ow and hooray. Like, cool. And this is the context for accountability because this is who you can be for your people. When you're a leader or someone like me who, for whatever reason, life's been kicking my ass since I was uh, 20 years old, earlier actually, (laughs) I don't know what the deal is with me. I've just signed. And the weirdest part is that I actually have to concentrate a little bit to realize what an incredibly difficult life I've had. (laughs) 
<laughs> because I don't actually experience it that way. Because certain things come really easy to me. But working for other people, that has never gone easy for me. <laughs> Getting along with people, no, no. Go ahead, Angel. You know that uh, working here with my parents, I've been able to, it's almost like I've taken a fly on the wall approach to try and see how I can dance here. Mm -hmm. And it's funny speaking to what Peter and Jamie and yourself are talking about, what I've observed a lot in my father's behavior and my mother's as well is they make so many decisions on fear, based Mm -hmm. on fear. I don't know if it's their age. And so now, you know, they're not willing to take risks. Uh, Factors in. But I, what I see also is it, there is, they have a serious fear factor when it comes to challenging the way that they see things because they've been doing it that way for so long that are, you're going to come and tell me. And that's, I've only noticed that that's them projecting it back. After this, we started with this course. It's it's been something incredible where I will see them speak in terms of what their mind's eye sees them as. Like we're great, we're great managers and mentors here of our <laughs> staff. And I'm sitting there going, "What? <laughs> oh, no." Awesome. Like, and how so? You know. And it's funny because the other day, you know, one of the things I'm trying to temper. Uh, in my own management skill, applying these things is the concept of coming from, you know, true curiosity and having a whole heart at the same time so Mm -hmm. that I'm a little bit more compassionate in how Mm -hmm. I do because I can be pretty direct. Mm -hmm. And sometimes at the expense of getting the point across because, you know, you're so like, I need to drive this and you're forgetting that you're not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. But in, in doing so, my mom calls me in because she, she knew that I was wanting to sit down with, with someone and hold them accountable. And she said that my, what I was getting ready to do was too strong. And I go, okay. And then my dad turns around because they work in the same office. And he says something to the effect of, you know, you got to really watch how you talk to people. You know, you should, don't you see how we talk to people? And I was like, oh no, I, I know exactly. How you <laughs> I stayed quiet. And then it's funny because not 15 minutes later, he said, and it's happened in the last like three weeks, some of the most inappropriate work conversation I have ever heard. From him? Yes. Oh, wow. And he's talking out loud to employees, you know. And I'm just sitting there going, what the fuck? <laughs> I and I'm and I don't talk. So I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to get at is the other day I called in because we were having, you know, people started using Asana to just like vent. Oh no. But I called people to the meeting and I'm like, listen to me, Asana is not a venting tool. That's I'm, not uncommon. We should have a name for that. Yeah. I'm not going to allow you guys to vent. If you guys aren't getting things done right, then someone here has to own it. What part of the entire chain can you have affected in a positive way? And let's just take a look at ourselves and see what you can do to contribute to fixing things as opposed to continuing to just now venting because it's in this anonymous place that you feel that you can just come. I just want to highlight what you just said there because in the context of what we've been talking about, that was challenging the delusion 
of employees. Right. By, by do you could say from one perspective, a manager, you could say, well, the manager is, you know, making sure they're behaving appropriately. And sure, that's how most people will think of it. But if you hold that instead, like in content, you're managing appropriate behavior, but in context, you're managing people to reality. You're saying Asana is not the place. This is not the right place for it. And. Venting is not productive. Look at your contribution because there is one. Do you see how that's actually shattering a delusion? Because the delusion of when someone's venting, unless they're meta to that they're venting and they say, look, I just need to vent for a second. But when they're victimly venting like that, they're in a delusion that says, I'm powerless and I have nothing to do with this. So I'm just going to blah, 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 blah until I feel better. So good work. But I just want everyone to hear that through the lens of you're shattering a delusion when you do that. Well, if you could believe that we kept on carrying on and there was one person in particular who was quiet when I know she's typically pretty vocal and typically she's constructive about it too. She's mm-hmm. not. And she says to me, why do you, cause it, you know, it's shifted from point to point to point. And then at some point she says, but do you think that we haven't tried to communicate these things? And I go, who have you tried to communicate them to? She goes to ownership. I go, you haven't communicated them to me. She goes, I'm not talking about you. Talking about your parents. Who does she report to? She reports to my mom. Okay. So then she's like, when are you going to take over? Like, when are you going to take over so that I can hand, like handle my things with you? I'm like, that doesn't work that way. We got, this is a slow dance. We got- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited. My parents aren't ready for that. I'm excited that she wants that. That's great feedback. Yes. I was really you know, and it speaks to what Jamie's saying, and it speaks to you know Peter's question to Jamie, and how I'm seeing it unfold in here, where there are people craving accountability, there are people craving someone that's gonna, you know, be around to to coach and and watch the systems, as opposed to someone who has a really soft. Because what ends up happening is when you respond from fear, and this is my observation of what's going on with my parents, you respond to the people who who are the most irresponsible with the softest hand and the ones who are responsible with the hardest hand, because those are the people you, you have to somehow get all this stuff done. And if you're not going to hold these people accountable, well, then these people, they got to work twice as hard. Yeah. And so you lean on their responsibility as and opposed eventually to eventually they'll, they'll hate you for it and leave. Right. And Dave Ramsey says this thing of thoroughbreds run with thoroughbreds. And, and I got into the trap of, oh, if I'm dealing with all those employees who don't, who I have to work with and, you know, you get in there, I'm doing a good job instead of like, if you get good people and they're held accountable and they do good work, like your job becomes easier. You have to do less and less and less. Mm-hmm. A number of the time, probably a third of the time, maybe even half of the times I got fired, it was because I was one of those A players who uh, was resenting people that I was working with for not carrying their weight. And I, I immaturely acted out like a teenager about it, but that's what was going on. It just becomes toxic. Yeah. It becomes a toxic place to be. Yeah. You know, I, I see it so much because what happens with them is they do identify their success with their, with the amount of money they're making. Mm-hmm. Because they're just mm-hmm. under a, a false impression of that. These people are all just so happy to be working here. I, I'm the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. So what's happening here is 
I see my dad trying to get back to certain numbers. And I know that when he could, it's like, and now he leaves on vacation now mid month and I'm waiting for him to go. So, so that I can talk because we have this business coach that's helping us doing the transition and so on. And part of my conversation is I need you to define things here. We need to talk about dollars. We need to talk about definition. We need to set a line in the sand of when, where, how, why, because when he gets back to the number, which inevitably we will get there, he's going to get his wing. He's going to get a second wing back. He's going to get his stride back yep. and he's going to get out of crisis. And now he's going to get into, you know, I'm the man and that could go on for another decade. <laughs> and I can't do this for another decade. Are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. So it's like you're playing your cards carefully and uh, assiduously, rigorously. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.